Well, if you would, go ahead and open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. Um, today's message is going to be a topical message, um, so really just kind of using these two verses as a bit of a springboard uh, to begin our time. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 12. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord, and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. Well, in these uh, past several months, I've become um, acutely aware of the pressures and trials that our two elders are under. And as I have thought about them and the trials they face as elders, I began thinking about how we as a body can support and help them. Uh, what can we do to be a blessing to them? What can we do to encourage and strengthen them? And as it turns out, uh, many of you probably know this, October is considered uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. And I looked it up online and actually today of all days is considered Pre Pastor Appreciation Sunday. Um, but, of course, they're not here today. Um, but I thought it actually would be a good opportunity to talk about some of these things. Um, and in some ways, it makes it easier with them not being here because we can just be open and honest about it without putting them on the spot. And um, obviously, they did not ask me to share on this. This is just some thoughts that I had. And so what I want to do is point out just a few things from this passage that we just read, and then I have several practical ways that we can encourage or be a help to our pastors. And actually, Dick gave a message on this about a year and a half ago, or a similar message, I should say, when Andrew was ordained. And I just listened to it in the last couple of weeks, and there got some helpful points there, and then some of my own. So some of these things may be familiar, um, but it, I think it's always good to be able to uh, look back at some of these truths. So in verse 12, here in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says that we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who labor among you. So this idea of appreciate. And I looked it up, the word appreciate in the dictionary, and it had several different definitions, but one of them that I think applies very well here, it says to recognize with gratitude. And I think that really gets the point across of what this is saying in this verse here, to recognize with thankfulness, with gratitude, those who labor among you. Um, some other translations say, actually say recognize instead of appreciate, that you recognize those who labor. Others say respect, and um, others say no. In fact, in the New American Standard, in the margin there, you may see that it'll say the literal is to know. And it's thinking, okay, I see how appreciate, respect, recognize all fit together, but what about this idea of no? And one commentary that I read, I think, kind of gets a little bit of this point across, um, is that if you are, imagine like a shepherd and sheep, 
the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. When they hear it, they recognize that that's my shepherd speaking to me. So there's a sense of the sheep know that voice. They know them. They have an understanding of them. They recognize that voice. And so I think this idea of know fits in also with these other words that we see here, appreciate, recognize, and respect. Well, then it goes on and it says, those who diligently labor. Well, who are these that diligently labor? And it seems from the rest of the verse to be talking about the elder, overseer, or pastor. And I'm going to be using those words somewhat interchangeably throughout the message. And our elders have done quite a bit of teaching on that through the years, bringing out how they are used interchangeably within Scripture. It's not three different Uh, positions within the church it's describing in three different ways the same office elder overseer pastor so they these who uh, they labor among us they have charge over us in the lord and they give us instruction that's what it says right here in verse 12 and this seems to fit with the rest of what the rest of scripture tells us about the responsibility of a pastor They labor among us, they have charge over us in the Lord, and they give us instruction. So I think it's safe to say that here Paul is referring to the elder or the overseer. And then in verse 13, um, it says that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Notice it doesn't say esteem them highly because of who they are. Um, pastors are probably going to be men who are very near and dear to us. They have shepherded us and cared for us, cared for our souls, and we love them, so it seems right to say that we should esteem them because of who they are. But that's not what Paul says here. Notice also he doesn't say esteem them because of their position. They are the elder, the overseer, and it seems right to bestow honor and respect to one in that position. But again, that's not what Paul says here. He says, esteem them in love because of their work. So what is the work that they are called to do? And we already saw a few descriptions of it uh, earlier in verse 12, but here are some other descriptions from elsewhere in Scripture. And I was thinking of this verse in 1 Peter 5, says the elder is to shepherd the flock of God. So what is involved with this idea of shepherding? And one of the first things that comes to my mind is the idea of feeding. A shepherd leads the flock to where they can be fed. So that's one of the primary responsibilities of a shepherd. Another is guarding and protecting, being on guard against the enemy coming in and destroying one of the sheep, or even the whole flock. And in Acts 20, Paul, um, there, speaking to the Ephesian church, it says that be on guard for yourselves, that men not come in, or wolves not come in and uh, scatter or destroy the flock. And so be on guard against that. And he's charging, Paul is charging these elders at Ephesus there to do that, be on guard. And so that's one of the things that, the elder, the pastor is to do, and another one, oversight. They are to have oversight of the flock. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, The elder keeps watch over your souls as those who will give an account. 
So that implies that the elder must give an account for the condition of his flock. And you see this relationship of the chief shepherd and the under shepherd. The chief shepherd being Christ, the under shepherd being the pastor. And the pastor, in a sense, is keeping charge of the flock and giving an account to the chief shepherd of the condition of his flock. And so that just very briefly gives a little bit of a picture of what the elder does, feeding, guarding and protecting, oversight. And Paul says here in our text that we should esteem them in love because of this work that they do. And so with that as just kind of an introduction, I want to look at some ways that we as a flock can help and encourage our pastors. And there's 10 of these, and I'm just going to go through them very briefly. We're not going to spend a long time on them. Um, But just 10 ways that I feel like we can be a help to our pastors. This first one we'll spend a little more time on because I feel like it's probably the most important of all of them. And the first one is to pray for them, to pray for our elders. And Hebrews thirteen eighteen says, Pray for us, for we are sure that we have a good conscience desiring to conduct ourselves honorably in all things. Now, whether or not this is Paul writing, we don't know for sure, but we do know that Paul oftentimes requested of those he was writing to that they would pray for him. And here the writer of Hebrews asks for prayer. And there is nothing more important that we can do as a church for our elders than to pray for them. There is a lot more we can do, and we'll look at some of these examples shortly, but prayer should always be first and primary. And if we want to help our elders, if we want to be a blessing to them in return, If we want to strengthen them, then we must pray for them. And oftentimes, I know for myself, I can get into a wrong mentality um, when you hear something like, well, pray for so-and-so. It's kind of like, well, yeah, obviously, I'm going to pray for them, but what else can I do? That can really be a wrong mentality because what it shows is that I have a low view of the importance of prayer. Prayer is very important. And so if we are going to be a help and an encouragement to our elders, then we need to pray for them. But it does bring up a question, how should we pray for them? Um, And so I've listed a few ways in which we can pray for them. The first one, pray for wisdom. This is a big deal. They need wisdom. There are so many areas that they need wisdom in. Wisdom in counseling. Wisdom in oversight of the church, wisdom in decisions, wisdom in teaching the word. And we can wrongly think that because they are elders, somehow they possess some extra amount of wisdom. And certainly the Lord has given them wisdom, but we uh, need to bring them before the Lord and ask God, please give them wisdom. They need wisdom from God. James 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Now that passage seems to be saying if we need wisdom, we can ask of God, and that is true. 
but I think it can equally apply to others. If you know that someone is facing a decision and they need wisdom, we can ask God on their behalf, Lord, give them wisdom in this. Help them to make a wise decision. Well, a second way we can pray for them, pray that they would be strengthened. Um, the work of a pastor is oftentimes wearying, and I, obviously I'm not speaking from experience, but from having talked to elders. It can be wearying physically. Um, I've spoken with some who have talked about the physical toll that the ministry can take on their bodies, sometimes during hard trials, not, not being able to sleep, just being awake at night thinking about those trials. That can have an effect then on your body. But besides just the physical trials, there's the emotional and spiritual aspect that can leave a pastor feeling weak and tired and drained, spiritually drained. They need strength. Remember Moses as Israel was fighting against Amalek, and it said that Amalek was prevailing, but when Moses lifted his arms up, Israel began to prevail. And so Moses is sitting there with his arms raised, and Israel's prevailing. But what happens? Moses' arms begin to get weary and tired, and he's having a hard time holding them up. But if he lets them down, the enemy prevails. So what did uh, Aaron and Hur do? They came and supported his arms so that he could keep his arms held up so that Israel would prevail. That's a really good picture of what we as a church can do for our elders. Their arms may be getting weary, but we can support them through prayer that they would be strengthened. And I was thinking of this prayer that Paul prays in Colossians. If you want to turn to it, you can. Colossians chapter 1. And really this whole prayer would be excellent to pray for our pastors, but honestly to pray for one another too. It's not just a pastoral prayer, it's for each one of us. Paul is praying this for the church in Colossae. Colossians 1 verses 9 through 12. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then this part right here, strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So here's something we can pray for our elders, that they would be strengthened with all power, just like Paul prays here. Well, another way we can pray for our elders, pray for protection against attacks from the enemy. Who is the enemy? Well, Satan. Satan is the enemy of the church. For, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So if Satan is seeking to devour each one of us, you can be sure that he is also on the lookout and targeting our elders as well. Pray for our elders that they would be protected against attacks from the enemy. A fourth way that we can pray for them, pray for help in the fight against sin. And this kind of flows from the one before, praying against attacks. But we need to remember that our pastors are tempted 
in every way that we are. They are men just like us. They need prayer just like we do in the fight against sin, in the fight against temptation. What a victory the enemy can have in a church if he is able to entangle leadership in sin. So we need to pray against that, that the Lord would give grace and help that our elders would be able to walk uprightly before him. And then finally, a way that we can pray for them. Pray that their hearts would be filled and overflowing. What a help it is to a minister if his own heart is full. And a similar prayer to what we just read here in Colossians, if you turn back, uh, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. This is Paul again, this time to the church at Ephesus. He says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in the inner man. So you see the similarity here in this prayer. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. That idea of filling, that the Holy Spirit would fill them, fill their hearts with love, that they would be overflowing uh, in their own hearts, that that would be what ministers to us is the overflow of their own hearts, that they wouldn't be ministering from an empty position, but rather ministering to us from a full position, their own hearts. Now, obviously, there are times where weakness comes into play, and they are physically weak or spiritually weak or emotionally weak, but we can pray, Lord, fill their hearts, let their heart be overflowing. Dad's message this morning there about Johnny Erickson sharing some of her testimony. That's a real good example. Physically, she's a weak person. There's all kinds of trials that she's going through, but read her books, listen to her speak. There's an overflow of her heart that pours out. That's what we can pray for our elders, that even as they go through trials, that their own heart would be full. All right, well, that was the first point, praying for our elders, and like I said, these next several will go a lot quicker. Secondly, we can encourage them and thank them. Words of encouragement and words of thanks are important. In the passage we started with in 1 Thessalonians, Paul instructs that we should appreciate those who labor over our souls. And if we appreciate them, shouldn't we show that appreciation? Shouldn't, it shouldn't just be a hidden appreciation, but a, a, an appreciation that we express to them. Shouldn't we tell them that we're thankful for what they do? Shouldn't we tell them that we have been helped through their counsel or their teaching or through their example in their own life? It is a help to someone who is laboring if the ones they are laboring to are thankful. And think about this in the family, moms. Think about all that you do in service for your family and think about how encouraging it would be if your family was regularly thanking you and encouraging you for what you do. Mom, thank you for the meal. It was delicious. 
that's an encouragement to someone who's been laboring in the kitchen. Um, Mom, thank you for helping me with my homework. I couldn't have done it without your help. Those kinds of statements give a sense of, I'm doing the right thing here, and I'm going to press on. Words of, of gratitude. What about the dads, maybe, who are weary from a hard day's work, and they get up early and got to go back at it? Not saying that this needs to happen, but what if your kids met you at the door and said, Dad, thank you for what you do to provide for our family, and thank you for doing it with such a joyful heart? Wouldn't that encourage your heart as you go out the door? You may still be physically weary, but there would be a sense of, yes, I'm doing the right thing here. Well, so it is in the church. If our pastors are laboring for us and we say nothing, how is that an encouragement to them? But if we're telling them, thank you for the word that you shared, thank you for ministering to our souls, thank you for shepherding us, that has been a help to me. That encourages them, it strengthens them, and helps them to go on. Words of encouragement are a big deal. Now, a little side note on this that I was thinking about here recently. What about the need at times or the question that might come up? Is it okay to express dissatisfaction to the elders. It's kind of the exact opposite, in a sense, of words of encouragement, but if there's a concern or um, a complaint, you might say, how is it right? Is it okay to express that? Maybe it's something in their life, or maybe it's something in the way that it's being handled in the church that you don't see or you don't agree with. Is that okay to express that to them? And what I would say on that is, first, we need to be at a place of rest in our own hearts about it. Have you taken that matter to the Lord first? Have you prayed about it? Because if your own heart is in turmoil about it and you're just expressing it out of frustration, I think that that's dangerous. I don't think that's right. I think first we need to take those matters to the Lord and pray about it and ask, Lord, help me to deal rightly with this in my own heart. But if it does seem right, and if you do go before them, I would say this. Do the pastors know that you appreciate them and know that you love them? And I'm going to speak for myself in this because I, I am not a good example of this in my own family. Oftentimes, I have a mentality that if things are going well, no words are needed. But if things are not going well, then I'm going to speak up. And so it could be with my kids, it could be a situation at work or whatever. No words means everything's running smoothly. And then the only time that I finally speak up is when something's not going right. That's not right. That shouldn't be the way it is. I ought to be expressing to my family the things that I'm thankful for in them, the things that I appreciate. Thank you for what you've done. I appreciate this. I see God at work in your life in this way. If I am feeding my family in that way, then whenever the time does come up where I have a concern, they know that I love them. They know that I'm concerned for them. It's a lot easier to receive something if the person knows that you love them. So if our pastor, if the only thing they hear from us is whenever something isn't going well, that is hard. That's hard to receive that. So let us be ones who are consistently going to them and encouraging them so that if there is a time where we need to say something 
that isn't so much a word of encouragement. They know that we love them. They know that we care for them. Well, third, ways that we can be a help and an encouragement to our pastors. Be teachable. Don't be stiff-necked. Be easy to shepherd. So basically what I'm saying in this is we all need to be walking in humility. Be the type of person that invites instruction into your life. Be the type of person that invites correction into your life. Be the type of person that when you are corrected, you receive it with humility and don't bristle up in self-defense. In other words, like I said, don't be stiff-necked and hard-hearted. Um, think about examples of this. If you are a teacher, and we have some teachers here, or a coach, we have some coaches or ones who have coached before, how easy is it, how much do you love to teach or to coach when you have students or players on your team that want to be taught they, they have a mentality of, I need help in this. I want to get better. Will you teach me? Will you show me what I'm doing wrong here so that I can do better? You would love to have a classroom or a team full of players like that, wouldn't you? You, you would desire it. It's like you want to pour into someone like that. But conversely, how about the kid who knows it all? I, I don't need any help. I've got this. And then they do it wrong over and over again. It's like, oh. You know, can I please have the players or the, the, the students that want to be taught? Let us be that to our pastors. Let us be the ones who want to be taught, that are humble, that are easy to shepherd. Well, number four, be attentive to their teaching and their counsel. Now, this may seem redundant after saying we should be teachable, but what I'm referring to here is more of our posture when it comes to teaching and counsel. Give attention to it. Don't be disinterested or distracted in your mind. Give your full attention to it. Don't disregard the counsel that the elders might give you. Be attentive, consider it, pray about it. Be like the Bereans who in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 says this, now these, speaking of the Bereans, were more noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. So Paul, and I don't remember if others were with him at that time, but Paul was speaking, proclaiming uh, the Bible, the scriptures to them, and they were receiving it with eagerness, but then they were going and examining the scriptures to see whether or not what Paul was saying was so. Now, you might think, okay, are they putting themselves in a position above Paul? You know, it's kind of like this, well, who are you to teach me? I'm going to be judge over you. Putting themselves in a position over Paul? No, not at all. They were putting scripture over Paul. They were saying, if I'm going to receive something from you, I want to know that it is in line with Scripture. That's a very humble thing to do. That's the right mentality to have. That whatever we receive, we're holding it up to Scripture, saying, does this, does this bear truth to what Scripture is saying? That's the type of attitude we ought to have. And that is an encouragement to an elder whenever we say, you've taught me something, and then you go home and you peruse through Scripture and you come back and say, I was thinking about this, and I found this verse that applies to what you said. 
doesn't that encourage? Think about again. Think about a student. You, you teach them something, and they come back the next day and say, I was studying that at home. Like, first of all, that's an encouragement. <laughs> but I was studying this at home, and I found what you said here. It's like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about, that interest, attentiveness to it. That should be the way we are with our pastors. Well, fifth, obey them and submit to their leadership. Uh, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. So this is not talking about blind obedience, where you know someone tells you to do something and you just do it right away without even thinking. Remember what we talked about in the last point about attention to their teaching and counsel, just like the Bereans, holding everything up to Scripture. That's first and foremost. So we're not talking blind obedience here. But what we are referring to is a humble posture that is willing to obey and submit to another's leading. You may not see everything. You may not understand everything, and you may not even agree with everything, but are you willing to submit to the ones whom God has directed to watch over your souls? And again, on this thing of not uh, agreeing with everything, I'm, again, I'm not talking about what, what you're being asked doesn't agree with Scripture. I'm talking about, well, that's not how I would do it. I don't agree with that decision that was made. Are you willing to submit to the leaders that God has placed over, uh, over your soul. And notice the end of that verse there in Hebrews th- uh, thirteen seventeen. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. The leader is to lead with joy and not grief. What brings joy to a leader? Ones who are obedient and submissive. What brings grief? To a leader, ones who are disobedient and unsubmissive. Again, think about the classroom or a team. What brings joy? The one who does what you ask with the right attitude or parents. Surely you can relate to this in your home with your children. The one when your children are submissive and obedient, it brings joy to your heart. It's a trial. We pray about it oftentimes at our prayer meetings. Pray for my kids. You know, it's a hard time. They're not obeying. There's a stubbornness there. That's a trial. And so it is with us to, to our elders, to our leaders, if we are not walking in obedience and submission. Sixth, believe the best about them. Now, what do I mean by this? Be slow to believe the negative things you might hear about them. Understand that you are likely not hearing the full story. Don't form an opinion without hearing the full story, which in pastoral matters we oftentimes won't hear the full story. We can't hear the full story. So you're only hearing one side of it. So right away our radar ought to go off and say, you know what, I can't make any judgment on this because I haven't heard the full story. Proverbs 18:17 The first to plead his case seems right. What you hear seems right until Proverbs goes on until another comes and examines him. In other words, there's another side to the story that you haven't heard. 
and that changes everything. Well, if you're only hearing one side, you can't make a judgment about it. 1 Timothy 5.19 says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. This is a safety for the church and a safety for the elder. In other words, if there's just a rogue individual who's just got a beef with the elder, it's a safety to the elder that don't receive an accusation against them based on one person. But it's a safety to the church if there is a problem if there's two or three witnesses, then, then it does need to be dealt with. It's a safety for both. But we as a church need to first and primarily be ready to believe the best about our elders. Well, that was the sixth point. These remaining four points we'll look at have more to do with our relationships to one another rather than our relationship to the elders. And I think we'll see how our relationships within the body can be a source of encouragement to the elders. But before we look at these, I want to consider a couple verses in uh, Ephesians 4. So I don't know if you're still there in Ephesians 3, but just one chapter over. Ephesians 4, uh, verses 11 and 12, um, it says, He, that is God, gave some as apostles and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So verse 11 tells us some of the um, offices that, that God has given to the church. Um, and then verse 12, and, um, sorry, verse 11 says pastors and teachers are one of those offices, and then verse 12 says, what is the purpose that these were given to the church? For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. What does this mean? What it means is the pastor is given to the church not to do all the ministry, but to equip us to be able to minister to one another. And oftentimes it can become a dangerous mindset that here's a need, we need to call the pastor so that they can go meet that need. That's not right. The pastor is here to equip us. He, they're, they're to teach us, to instruct us how to minister to one another. And as we do that, we are, we're fulfilling what Scripture has exhorted and commanded us to do, to love one another, to encourage one another, which we're going to look at here shortly. And it obviously is a great encouragement to our pastors when we are doing this, when we are um, doing the work of service to one another. So um, this would be the seventh way we could encourage our elders, our pastors. Help to discourage gossip, slander, and wrong talk. And I'm not referring exclusively to gossip about the elders, but just gossip in general. Help to discourage that. One of the ways that Satan can destroy unity in a fellowship is if gossip is prevalent and unchecked. May the Lord help us to be on guard against this. We should set a watch over our own mouths that we not be ones who spread gossip, but beyond that, we should also seek to be ones who refuse to listen to gossip. Proverbs 20, verse 19 says, He who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a gossip. Notice it says to not associate with them. 
So one sure way to stop gossip is if no one is willing to listen to the gossip. If there's no ear, then why speak up? Um, Dick mentioned this quote in his message uh, a year and a half ago, and I, I think I got this right. He can correct me if not. Um, he said, we should be the water that is poured on the fire of gossip, not the wind that fans it up. And whenever we repeat a matter, it's like blowing air on a fire, just flames it up more, versus pouring water on it, which just helps to suppress it and push it down. And so that's the way we ought to be in the church. Let us be water on the fire, not wind that just stirs it up. And there was, there was a comment that was made that was such an encouragement a few months back. A matter was being discussed here. And one of the sisters spoke up and said, I didn't even know about this matter because nobody was talking about it. That right there, that is exactly what we're talking about. The church in that particular matter was exemplary in not spreading it. That's, that's what we're talking about. So I encourage you all to keep, keep up that good work of not, not promoting, not encouraging gossip and slander. The eighth way that we can encourage our pastors and help them is to encourage and help one another. And I've got three verses that I'm just going to read off here. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another. And I love how he finishes it, just as you also are doing. And I feel like that's, that is true in this church. I encourage you to do just as you already are doing. Romans 15, 14, and concerning you, my brethren, I myself also am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able also to admonish one another. You're able to help and admonish one another. And then Colossians 3, 16, let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Don't ever feel like you have nothing to contribute to the body. The way in which we encourage, teach, and admonish one another is by applying God's word to each other's lives. Garrett shared with me one time, and I think he shared this from the pulpit, actually, um, that has helped me so much. He's kind of paraphrasing it. He said, you do not need to worry about saying anything profound. Everything profound has already been said in the Bible. You just need to repeat it. It's like that's so encouraging because you can be thinking in your mind, I don't know if I have anything good to say. Well, don't. Just open the Bible and share a verse, share a word of encouragement from the Scripture. That's ultimately what's going to be the encouragement to the brethren. So that's the way in which... We can encourage and build each other up in that last verse there in Colossians, teaching and admonishing one another with what? With psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You, even a song can be an encouragement to the brethren. So there are so many ways in which we can be a help to one another just by using the word of God. Well, ver, uh, the ninth way, love one another. Another way that we can be an encouragement to our pastors is by us loving each other. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Think about the joy it brings to your heart as a parent if you see your children 
loving each other, forgiving each other from the heart, and showing preference for the other before themselves. And I know sometimes it can be a little hard, like, when did that ever happen? <laughs> but you can imagine it. There, it. It brings joy to the heart of a parent to see their children loving one another. So it is in the body here. What a joy it brings to the elders, and honestly, what a joy it brings to all of our hearts to see the love of Christ being shown one to another. And certainly it does encourage our pastors. So let us be ones who exemplify that. Loving one another is a help to the whole church. And then the final way that we can be a help and encouragement to our elders is to fight against sin in our own life. Satan would love for you to believe that your sin is private and has no effect on the rest of the church or on the leadership. But think about Achan um, with his secret sin back there in uh, Joshua. Remember, Israel was to go in and destroy Jericho, and there was a ban on all everything there in the city. It was to all be destroyed. But Achan secretly took something home with him. It seemed secret at the time until God brought judgment on Israel and they were defeated at Ai because of his sin. And then later, judgment fell on him and his family because of that sin. In other words, there is no such thing as a secret sin. It does affect, it affects you. We see that with Achan. He was ultimately destroyed. But it affected his family. It affected the whole nation of Israel. They were defeated because of his sin. And so it can be with us. If we are not dealing with sin in our own lives, don't think that it doesn't have some kind of effect in the church. It does. The, it gives the enemy a foothold in your life, in your family, and in the church. But if we are all walking vigilantly, um, militantly, in the sense of cutting off sin, there's, it's a safety, it's a security. The enemy doesn't have a foothold in our life or in the life of the church. Third John 1.4, uh, the Apostle John says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And that right there, I think, sums this, these last points up perfectly. What brings joy to the elders is to see the flock walking in the truth. And that, that's through encouraging one another, through loving one another, and through fighting against sin in our own lives. So may the Lord help us to, to be ones who are seeking to encourage uh, our pastors uh, for the work that they do. Well, why don't we close in prayer here. Father, we, we thank you for the shepherds that you've placed over our souls. Lord, we thank you for the, uh, their, their labors on our behalf. Lord, we thank you. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to do right by our elders. Lord, it's not just ultimately about trying to build them up in some uh, fleshly, carnal kind of a way. Lord, this is, this is important to the ongoing work of the Spirit in the life of the church, Lord. So we pray that you would help us 
to be ones who are a, a help and a support to them, not a hindrance. Help us, Lord, to do right by one another. Help us to put into practice these things that we've looked at today. Lord, help us to live lives that are pure and right before you. I pray that you would help us even in this time as we fellowship together around this meal. Lord, help us to build one another up, to encourage one another, to love one another from the heart. Thank you, Lord, for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.